0: So James chapter 3, uh, verses 1 to 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Hell, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise the Lord our Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Well, please pray with me. Father God, thank you for this word. Thank you that as we come to the letter of James, we can come with great assurance that it is you speaking to us. That it is a letter that has much to say about how we are to live with authentic faith. And as we consider our words and the damage or the the great good they can do this morning, Lord, we pray you will challenge us and bless our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hopefully you've been watching the Olympics. I know some of you aren't into the Olympics all that much, but uh, if you were watching on Thursday night or even if you weren't watching, chances are uh, that you've seen something about the decathlon and Ashley Maroney, uh, Maloney. Ash Maloney won the bronze medal. It's the first medal we've ever won in the decathlon. And, uh, and you have to compete in 10 events. It's a real all-round athlete uh, event. Uh, there's the 100-metre sprint. There's the long jump, the, hop, uh, the hot put. Uh, make that the shot put, the high jump, the 400 metres, 110-metre hurdles, discus, pole vault, javelin. And then it all culminates with a 1,500-metre run. And on Thursday night, this 1,500-metre run happened. And uh, Ash Maloney was in third place and he needed to run a certain time and make sure that those behind him weren't too far ahead of him on the field. And uh, and when he was interviewed afterwards, he said about the 800-metre mark, he hit a wall and he just didn't feel like he he could run much at all. But then you see this image of Cedric Jubler coming back from him being in front of Ash Maloney and he fell back to him, the other Australian, uh, Cedric Jubler, and he starts yelling at him. And later on, uh, the interviewer asked Maloney what he was saying to him. He said, he was screaming at me. He said, I can't repeat what he said and I certainly couldn't repeat it from the pulpit. He said, I could hear his voice bouncing in my cranium like a bat out of hell. See, if it wasn't for the words of Jubler, chances are Maloney wouldn't have a bronze medal. Words are powerful. They can be used to build up, to encourage and to accomplish great things. On the 30th of March this year, Riley Basford in the US went to the dentist he was a young fella. You'll see a picture of him come up on the screen. He had braces put on. He had fed his family's cows in the morning. He spent time with relatives. And around the noon, however, he started becoming bombarded with cruel messages on social media. He was cornered into a space where his young mind couldn't see a way out and he ended up taking his own life That afternoon. See, words are powerful. They can be used to accomplish evil things. See, the tongue can be used to build up or to break down. How do you use your tongue? Have you tamed your tongue? Do you have control over your tongue? See, as we continue in our series in James, we come to chapter 3. And this morning we are told authentic faith tames the tongue. Authentic faith has control over what it says. See, back in chapter 1, as James introduced many of the themes uh, he is now expanding upon in the body of the letter, he says this in chapter 1, verse 26. He says, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Authentic faith tames the tongue. And here James begins chapter 3 by warning those who will want to use their tongue in some of the most powerful and influential ways, those who want to become teachers. He says this in verse 1. He says, "'Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, "'because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. "'We all stumble in many ways.' Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. See, James isn't saying that holding the position of teacher means you will be judged by some different standard or or judged by another type of uh, judgment. He's saying by the very nature of using so many words to influence and to lead other people, you will have a lot more to be accountable for. See, when we declare a truth, when we claim to speak on behalf of the Lord or when we speak truths that directly oppose the Lord, the fruit that bears in people's lives, both your own and other people, He's going to be up for judgment. And he's beginning this passage by highlighting teachers because they have so much influence and power over others. But that's not who he's dealing with for the whole passage. He's really saying, look, don't become teachers because of the word. Think, think carefully before you become a teacher. But now he goes on to address everyone in the church about the power of words and how much power we can have over others. See, he warns us of how we must control the tongue if we are to have authentic faith. And I just read verse 2 for you as well. See, the tongue is crucial to directing the life that we live. He says we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Now the fruit of the Spirit, or one of the fruits of the Spirit, which he ends with in Galatians chapter 5, is self-control. See what he's saying is that the very beginning of self-control starts with the tongue. If you can control what you say, if you have control over your tongue, if you have tamed it, then your whole life will stay in check. See, the tongue is crucial to directing the life that we live. The tongue is crucial in directing the life of so many others in whom we think we can speak into their lives. Greek philosophy believed that perfection could be attained by wisdom, through wisdom, through knowledge and understanding, and being able to eloquently speak that into the lives of those around you. See, in James's day, while the Romans ruled, the Greek culture was very much at the forefront of their life. If you remember back to Corinthians, Paul He has to defend the fact that he's not eloquent of speech and that his message about the resurrection wasn't really something that reason could defend. The world saw it as foolishness, but it was wisdom to those who believed. See, Greeks believed the perfection came through that wisdom and that eloquence of speech, And that those who could speak eloquently with their wisdom were held in the highest regard. James is saying, no, be on guard. Because you think your tongue can reach perfection, but no, we all stumble in many ways. And then in verses 3 to 6, he uses three illustrations about how the tongue directs the entire life of a person. He says, horses, ships... And fire. If you have a look at verse 3 there, he introduces us to horses. He says, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. <clears throat> now, the word here for bit is in fact bridle, and it's the same word used back in chapter 1, verse 26, where he says that we need to keep a tight rein. On our tongues. In fact he's saying we need to keep a tight bridle on your tongue. So the way a jockey controls a horse that is much more powerful than he or she is is with the bridle. Now if the picture uh, which will come up for you uh, in a minute, uh, it, 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 it goes over the horse's head and then the bit goes in the mouth and the reins are attached. You see, it needs to be tight so that the jockey can have complete control over that horse, determining where the horse goes, when the horse stops, when the horse goes forward. In the same way, if you are able to bridle the tongue, you can control the entire life that you live. And in fact, you can control the life that others live. This is where cults come to the fore. We see people doing uh, all things we can't even reasonably fathom that they would do. The, uh, I don't know how you pronounce it, the Nexum cult uh, that's been in the news, you know, actors and all sorts of people who are in, in positions that we might respect at times, they get caught up in, in all sorts of manner of practices. Why? Because of someone using their tongue to direct them in areas and places that is evil. Or Paul say, uh, James says here in verse 4, it's like a ship's rudder. Have a look at verse 4 there. Or take ships as an example. <clears throat> take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. See, the picture that you see there, that's the rudder that's attached to an enormously large ship. It's a small rudder, but it controls the direction of that entire ship. In the same way, your tongue is like that rudder. If you are able to captain the tongue, you can control your entire life. And you can even control the lives of people who are sitting under your authority and your teaching. Or it is like fire. Have a look at verses 5 to 6. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell well a month ago a man was charged in wa with lighting a fire back in february during a total fire ban he used an angle grinder and a small spark from that angle grinder it flicked over to some dry grass and it ended up creating an enormous bushfire which went through the Perth hills and it burnt through 110,000 hectares and destroyed 86 homes, all from one spark. See, in the same way, the smallest of your words can have far-reaching consequences for your life and for other people's lives. And in the church context to which James is writing here, your words can build up the church... Or they can destroy the church. See, it appears James is addressing a group of people who could potentially destroy the church with their words. In verses 7 and 8, James addresses the negative and he gives what should be a terrifying critique of the tongue. He says we can tame all sorts of wild beasts, birds of the air, animals on the ground, uh, sea creatures, But no human being can tame the tongue. He says it's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. It's a big critique. Jesus himself confronted and addressed the damage that the tongue was doing to God's glory and his people. Jesus was war. As he walked the earth, he called out the hypocrisy of those who were the religious elite in Israel. In Matthew 15, when some Pharisees came to him and they started having a wine and they started addressing him, why don't your disciples wash their hands before they eat like the cleansing rituals of our religion tell us what uh, tell us we must do? See, they didn't care about people. They just cared about controlling people, raising themselves up in the eyes of others with their shallow and their hollow view of religion. Jesus calls out their hypocrisy by actually showing them that they too break the law in so many ways. He says you don't even honor your father and mother. And what he's talking about is the money that should have been used to look after their mother and father, people's mothers and fathers in their old age. He's saying you make them give it to the temple and then you use it for whatever you want. You too are hypocrites. He then quotes Isaiah against them. And he says this, he says, These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You see, the religion that knows God, the true God of the Bible, has the heart for people that God has. A heart that will lay down its life to see another person saved a heart of compassion, slow to anger, abounding in love, a heart that rejoices to see others built up, others encouraged, others whose lives are made whole again, a heart that sets the captives free, a heart that restores a person's dignity, a person's worth and hope are brought into a place where they start rejoicing, a heart that overlooks the outward appearance, and speaks words of life into people's souls. See, this is a heart that speaks and prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners climb trees, clamber over the crowds, do whatever it takes to hear more. They dig holes through roofs to bring the suffering friends to hear and to find healing. They bring an offering of a year's worth of perfume and pour it over the feet of the one who speaks these words of life. See, true religion isn't highlighting everybody's false, uh, everyone's faults and spreading gossip. It doesn't undermine, it doesn't speak innuendo, it doesn't look down on others, but it lifts others up. It doesn't make accusations. It doesn't secretly go about an agenda of its own. It doesn't make self-righteous comparisons. It doesn't spend time on social media complaining and bringing others down. It sees hope in people. Because we have a God who makes the hopeless hopeful, the worthless worthy and the forgotten forever remembered. Yes, the human heart is corrupted, James says. And yes, we cannot tame the tongue. And yes, in many ways, we will always stumble. But true religion will confess, humble itself and ask forgiveness as it forgives those who have wronged it. And all this begins with what comes from our mouths Because as Jesus said in that passage in Matthew 15 as he addresses the hypocrisy of religion, the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart and these defile them. See James finishes this uh, text by saying that the mouth that praises God should not curse human beings. He says fresh water and salt water, well they can't come from the same spring." An olive tree can't produce figs and a fig tree can't produce olives. You see, hypocrisy and being, being one thing on the outside and having a heart that overflows uh, in one way uh, to, the, to, the, to the public and then behind closed doors or in the secrets or in the closed conversations says other things. Well, that's not true Religion. See, if you're turning up to church on Sunday and singing praises to the Lord about his goodness to you, and then you're destroying the lives of those in the church with your words and your gossip and your innuendo and your rumours and your undermining and your secret conversations, your political grandstanding, then your religion, your praise of God, James says here, is worthless. It is filth. You might as well not do it. See, Jesus called the religious elite of Israel who were like this whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. You are honouring the Lord with your lips, but your heart is far from him. But on the flip side of this is the fact that the words are so powerful that they can also bring hope and restoration and build people up. They lead people to salvation. There's a reason that we have the good news. Because the very people whose hearts are far from God are the very people he died for. The very people who are, who are acting in the ways of the world with their mouths are the very ones we are called to serve and to love with the gospel. Jesus says, love your enemies, pray for your leaders, encourage one another, love one another deeply from your heart. See, this is the flip side of what James is saying. You match the heart with the praise that's coming from your lips. You match it with building people up. And well, you may have just found true religion. Now, I just want to share a story that's happened with me recently. Uh, I sat down with someone and no doubt they're listening today. I'm not going to tell you who they are. But they graciously revealed to me that I had unknowingly offended them from this very pulpit. They didn't react at the time and they didn't react in any other way even uh, even though my words hurt them. They didn't destroy me with gossip or slander or comments and questions about my integrity. They held their tongue. And then when the time was appropriate, they told me directly how I had offended them. Now, as a teacher, that's never easy to hear. But see, they gave me the opportunity to apologise. Then they gave me their forgiveness. And then recently, I received a wonderful card and present from them with all these wonderful words about my role as a pastor and how I'm doing. Even after I had highly offended them, they built me up. They didn't cut me down. See, James is saying that's what true religion is. That's why Jesus says when there is conflict in the church, there is a healthy way to deal with it. This is why we are seeking to be mature, Christ-like with our words, James says. We can't act in the ways of the world. And next week, he flows out of this into the next couple of verses, which we'll look at next week. And he contrasts the wisdom of the world with the wisdom of God. See, the wisdom of the world would cut me down. The wisdom of God says, hang on a minute, I I need to see if there is repentance. James is calling us to tame the tongue. Our tongues are dangerous. We need to use them to build the church up, not tear it down, to give hope to people, not take it away. Let's all take a moment of reflection on this. We all will stumble in many ways, but with the Holy Spirit's help and with a focus on Christ himself and how he spoke words of life to the prostitutes, to the adulteress. Leave your life of sin. As we reflect on Jesus himself, let us tame our tongues. Let us hold them and let us speak in ways which reflect his glory and praise him from our hearts and from our lips. Well, please pray with me. Father God, thank you for this wonderful message from James. Thank you uh, that you are challenging us. Our tongues have so much opportunity to build up or to break down. And Lord, I pray for each of us that we will be able to build people up in our church, that we won't be looking for errors and looking for ways to break them down. We will keep each other accountable with love. To be able to bring to each other way, in ways which, uh, which encourage them to repent. That we will be able to walk the path on this journey. Father God, I pray that our words will bring life to our world. That the gospel message, the good news of the Lord Jesus dying on the cross for us, being raised again will be the message of hope as we implore people to put their faith in the Lord Jesus and make him Lord. Father God, I pray that we will be a church where we have tamed our tongue and that that will be a wonderful reflection of your glory. So Father God, bless us this week as we consider these things and we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.